0: the lead pastor here. Welcome to live Zoom Sunday service here at the River. We're so glad you could join us. Well, we are entering a special season called Lent this week. This is a season known for fasting and prayer for six weeks leading up to Easter. It's a spiritually-charged time. So. We are encouraging you to use this season to pray for something you need as well as to grow in your spiritual maturity. We call this season 40 Days of Faith. To help you remember to pray daily, we have a tradition here at the river to use prayer bracelets. It's nice, right? Our River Kids Pastor, Amelia, made it. Thank you, Amelia. Here's what each bead signifies. Gold bead is a reminder that I am loved, accepted, and worthy because of Jesus and the cross and God's unconditional love, and it will never change. Pattern bead is a reminder for prayer for myself, a prayer you have picked for yourself something you cannot get by yourself. Colored bead number one is for your prayer for our community and the world at large. Colored bead number two is for your prayer for a specific individual you pick. Colored bead number three is for your prayer for another specific individual. I love these prayer bracelets. If you haven't received it in mail yet, please contact admin at rivernyc.org and we'll send it to you. It's free. These prayer bracelets are great to remind us to pray for this world. We could really use our prayer during the time of pandemic to remind us that God is with us to keep praying in faith. Now. Each year, we have a theme for this season of prayer, and this year's theme is unconditional prayer, which goes well with our current sermon series, Understanding the Bible Through Jesus. Last week, Amelia covered the calling of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, where God promises Abraham a legacy He will become the father of a great nation. But he must leave the safety of his home to journey to Canaan, the promised land. Abraham does not have a child. Into his old age, this is one thing in life he could not get for himself. And he wants it more than anything. So he leaves everything behind to go on a great journey of faith. It's a good model for our own 40 days of faith journey, isn't it? We too want miracles. We too want God to move in powerful ways to bless our lives. So the story of Abraham contains powerful lessons for us as we begin our own journey of faith during this season. 40 days of faith. So let's dig in to today's passage. By the way, Abraham is called Abram in this passage because his name gets changed by God to Abraham later on. So keep in mind that Abram here is Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 to 20. At that time, uh, meaning right after Abraham leaves his home to go to Canaan, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So, please tell them you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And sure enough, when Abram arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king and Sarai was taken into his palace. The Pharaoh gave Abram many gifts because of her, sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. But the Lord sent terrible plagues upon Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and accused him sharply What have you done to me, he demanded. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abram out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. What an interesting passage, isn't it? There are tons of lessons here for us as we enter our own season of faith. Because when we decide to believe in God, when we fast and pray for miracles, we expect God to come through for us if we do it right. In fact, much of Christian world today is focused on what you have to do right to get answers Prayer. There are so many books and teachings about having the right mindset, the right set of beliefs and behavior, how to serve God right, how to fast right, so that our prayers will get answered. But what happens when Abram goes for it in faith? The first thing that happens to him is Abram experiences famine. Famine is a scary thing. In the modern world, we are not used to people starving to death. But it occurred frequently in the past. For example, the Irish potato famine. There is a memorial in Battery Park over here to remind us of the time when a million people died and millions emigrated to America from Ireland because of it. It's a horrible, horrible thing to be hungry every day until you die of it. So, even though Abraham obeyed God and took a great step of faith, he did everything right. He is not rewarded with the promised son. Instead, he faces famine and extinction in Canaan. That's surprising, isn't it? Because this goes against the message of the prosperity gospel. We're told if we do the right thing, live by faith, and you'll be blessed with rewards like prosperity, health, your dreams coming true, certainly not famine. This is the most popular, fastest growing message of Christian faith that's worked itself into most pulpits today in some form in America. Because it has great appeal. I mean, Why else would people be interested in faith and praying, right? So in the back of many Christian minds is a cultural common assumption. If we fast and pray, believe and do the right thing, serve God, be righteous, pray with faith, then we will get rewarded. We will get answers to our prayers. But this passage, Abram's experience flies in the face of such assumptions. How do we explain this? Many Christian teachers suggest this was a test of faith for Abram. We have this idea that hardships in life are tests from God. If we can keep the faith, if Abram could have kept trusting God and stayed put in the promised land, If he could have trusted God to bail him out instead of lying, everything would have turned out alright. That's what we think. Because the assumption is, if we pass the test, God's blessings will come. But if we fail the test, we don't trust God, we do bad things, then bad things will happen. So how does Abram do in this test? Does he pass the test of faith? No, he panics. The passage says, At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife Sarai, Look, you are a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her, so please tell them, you are my sister, then they will spare my life and treat me well because they their interest in you. So Abraham decides to go to Egypt, which in itself is not immoral or unethical, he's facing death, what choice does he have? But he imagines what will happen in Egypt and it's a nightmare. He is very sure of what will happen. Because Sarah is beautiful, Abraham is absolutely certain that he will get killed and Sarai will get seized. Abraham has lost all faith in God. There's zero faith here. All fear and panic. So Abraham thinks Sarah's faith is sealed. Nothing can change her faith. So why not take advantage of it? Abraham says, let's pretend you're my sister and they will treat me well. You are going to get taken either way. I don't want to die. So let's use this opportunity. In effect, Abram sells his wife in a lie to protect himself, right? There is no faith here. He doesn't just fail the test of faith. It's a great moral failure on the part of Abram. So, If it's true that bad things happen when we fail the test of faith, then Abram should have suffered for this failure. But what happens? God restores Sarai to Abram along with massive gain in wealth. There is no consequence for Abram failing the test. In fact, he is greatly rewarded for it. So it's not clear to me What test of faith is supposed to do? Abram passes the test when he leaves his home to go on a journey of faith simply on the promise from God. That's great faith. And immediately he is faced with famine. It's a disaster. And then Abram fails the test utterly when he sells his wife off in a lie to gain advantages for himself. And what happens? He gets off with great wealth and restored wife. Huh? What's going on here? Maybe this whole idea of test of faith is bunk, right? Remember the lesson from the parable of the prodigal son. The good son gets nothing. The bad son gets lavish feasts from God. Maybe it's not so simple as good people get rewarded and bad people get punished. In my experience, life and its rewards does seem kind of random, doesn't it? So then, what's the incentive to behave well? Well, God lets the bad son taste the consequences of his actions. The bad son ends up starving, longing to eat what the pigs eat as a consequence of his foolish behavior. Reality has consequences, and God lets us face those consequences. Good behavior, good habits, put you in a better position to get better results in life. Every action has its consequences. We reap what we sow. In fact, that's why we should not be surprised that Abram, faces famine when he arrives in Canaan. Because Abram took a risky step in moving out of a city well-stocked with provisions. That means he became vulnerable to things like famine. That's reality. And God respects reality. So we need to develop reality-based faith. Faith is not magic. Faith doesn't magically make everything bad in your life disappear and only good things ever happen to you as long as you have faith. No, disappointments can happen as we follow God. That's reality. But experiencing famine did not mean Abram misheard God. Abram did not make a mistake. Famine is not punishment from God. That's what we usually think if and when something bad happens to us, we think, what mistakes have we made? Could we have fasted more, prayed more, do more righteous things? Where did we go wrong? Has God abandoned us? No! God will never abandon you. God never abandoned Abram, even when he failed. God loves us all unconditionally. But God lets us face reality and its consequences. So as you pray for your miracle, and we've seen lots and lots of God's stories over the years during this season, of prayer, so many answers to prayer. We have no right to expect that many answered prayers, but it happens, and it happens as a grace and gift from God. I'm excited! For to see your prayers get answered. But please remember: praying in faith is not a test of how good you are. It's not a test of how good your faith is, how righteous you are, and how well you can pray with faith. You can do everything right and get disappointed. That doesn't mean God has abandoned you. Our relationship with God must go much deeper than that. It's unconditional. Unshakable. It's not transactional. Like I do this and God gives me this and and it's all transaction. No. I keep saying this, but it's worth repeating. God's love is unconditional. That's what makes it special. If God rewarded the faithful and punished the unfaithful consistently, If there was some formula we could use to extract miracles from God, then God's love would be seen as conditional and transactional. It would contradict the central message of the cross. It would cheapen the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus died for all of us as a gift, as grace from God without any condition. Faith doesn't guarantee good things and protections in life. Faith guarantees God's presence. And love in all the moments of your life through ups and downs that's what makes it so precious that's why it's wrong to ever think we don't deserve God's love and blessings we deserve hardships because of sins we committed because of flaws in our character don't God's love is not that flighty fight that thought that's not how God works God is agape love, unconditional love. God walks with you no matter what, every day, every moment of your life. Think of it this way. Even murderers like Cain and wife-seller like Abram were blessed and protected by God. God walked with them. And just like that, God will walk with you no matter how badly you think of yourself. God still loves you. For the image of God is in you for the cross. So then, why should we live by faith and behave honorably? If rewards are somewhat random, well, we need to live by faith and behave honorably, not because we need to pass God's tests and get rewarded. That would make it transactional but because we are honored by God unconditionally. Jesus, God incarnate, died for you. The image of God is in you. That's who you are. Behave accordingly. In other words, regard yourself as noble and worthy and beloved, and your actions must flow from this sense of self-worth. And good things will come to you as a result. Because that's how reality usually works. Honorable, noble behavior usually puts you in a position to reap its rewards. Not always, but usually. Hard work, good ethics, honorable behavior, these characteristics bring good things to life. And when we pray, pray with faith, pray our hearts out, it puts us in a good position to receive God's blessings. That's why we want you to pray your hearts out during this season of prayer next six weeks. Remember, God was with Abram. Whether he behaved well or not, God walked with Abram, and God walks with you. So during this season of faith and prayer, pray with faith that God is right there with you. Pray with this confidence that you are already standing before God, approved and loved and cheered on by God, that good things will come your way. Because prayer becomes reality. Prayer becomes our work. What we imagine in our minds Come to reality oftentimes. So may your prayers yield great fruits in your life during this season. Amen. Now please join us in our discussion session now at 11:45, um, or in our weekly groups. I hope to hear from you and your thoughts and questions. So I hope you can join one of our groups. God bless you, everyone. Very excited for this season of Lent, 40 days of faith. Bye.